Welcome to the Enlightening Motherhood Podcast. Here you will find a non-judgmental community offering support to mothers raising children with extra challenges. This community was created for you to empower moms who love their children deeply, but are also feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, or just plain stressed out. We are the place for moms who are sometimes feeling at the end of their rope and are looking for hope and light. Join us as we help you enlighten motherhood. Obliger, upholder, questioner, or rebel? I am so excited to give you some ideas on how to better understand yourself and your children by delving into this idea of the four tendencies. But before we jump fully into that topic, I do have some really exciting news I want to share very quickly with you. Okay, so up until now, I've only been offering one workshop. It's been an excellent workshop, how to stay calm and in control, even when you're exhausted and your child is misbehaving. But after listening to some feedback from what people really want to focus on, I've decided to retire that workshop. Now, it is an excellent workshop. The results have been incredible. But the last chance to attend live will be on January 27th, 2023. So be sure to register if that's something you have been considering. But if maybe you do want to delve deeper with me, but you just want a different topic, I have another one for you now. This one focuses more on how you can get your child to melt down less. This is probably one of the top questions I get. How can I get my kid to stop melting down? Okay, so this theme is the central focus of my new workshop, Meltdown Prevention 101, where I will clearly lay out my four-part roadmap that will help to increase the chances of your child melting down less often and less intensely. I'm also going to include a little bit of that how to ditch the mommy guilt, (laughs) how to be self-compassionate in this journey, and give you my proven method that I have seen work amazing wonders in my life and in the lives of my clients. So you can register for either workshop at enlighteningmotherhood.com forward slash workshops. These are live, they are interactive, and if you can't make them live, I've totally got you covered. I'll definitely email you a recording. I would love to see you there. Okay, without further ado, Let's delve into those four tendencies. Hello, everyone. This is Emily. Happy New Year if you're listening to this in early January. And for whatever time of year you might be listening to it otherwise, happy time of year. (laughs) Here in Arizona, it has been wonderful. We kind of had a relaxed uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day for my children. Um, Halfway through New Year's Day, I kind of realized, you know, maybe I... I could have gone to the dollar store and gotten some fun things and done fun games on New Year's Eve. <laughs> but um, really, I don't think my children are deprived because we just had a relaxed day of um, visiting extended family. They got to see their great grandfather and we got to play outside. So I don't think that they're going to have a deprived childhood because I forgot to maybe celebrate the New Year's with them a little bit more. <laughs> Anyways, um, Speaking of New Year's, I think one thing that's very common for us to consider when we bring up New Year's resolution or New Year's in our culture is to think of New Year's resolutions. And it's super fascinating to me because um, I want to talk to you today about 
Four Tendencies. It's a framework that Gretchen Rubin brought up in her book, The Four Tendencies. But before we delve into that, I'm just going to give you four different ways that people might respond to the idea of New Year's resolutions. And as I read them, I'm curious to know if you identify with any of the responses or if there's any that you feel you don't identify with. Okay, number one, I always keep my promises to myself. If I make a New Year's resolution, I will see that I keep it. Number two, I can make and keep resolutions whenever I want to. January 1st is such an arbitrary date. Or, I'm only going to keep a New Year's resolution if I feel it's worth keeping. Okay, number three. The only way I seem to be able to keep my New Year's resolutions is if I have somebody else that's counting on me to keep it. Number four. I don't do New Year's resolutions because I don't like to follow the crowd. Or, if I do a New Year's resolution, I'm going to do it in a way that's not the way that most people do it. Okay, each of these reactions is an example of how four different people with four different tendencies might approach the topics. So, um... I brought this up multiple times. What are the four tendencies? It's an idea implemented by author Gretchen Rubin that helps us understand how we respond to expectations and goals. If you're, I'll just say right now, if you're super curious to know your own tendency, I think it's a wonderful thing to figure out. You can just Google four tendencies quiz and there'll be plenty of examples that pop up. You can just choose the one that looks like the best to you and take that quiz. It just takes a few minutes and um, the results are usually very interesting to people to know. They're, I was really fascinated to figure out my own results, which I'll tell you in a little bit. <laughs> but the four tendencies that Gretchen Rubin identifies include, number one, upholders. Number two, questioners. Number three, obligers. And number four, rebels. Okay, upholders are likely to easily meet both outer and inner expectations, such as New Year's resolutions. Now, you can apply this at any time of year. I'm just capitalizing on this example, given the fact that this episode is airing in January. (laughs) But um, if you're an upholder, you might set clear goals and create a structured plan to achieve those goals, and you're very likely to follow through on that commitment. An upholder can say, I will read one chapter from this book tonight, and then we'll read exactly one chapter, no more because that wasn't the expectation, and no less because they're going to keep that expectation. And no matter how tired they are, they're going to read that chapter. And often, even if something maybe more urgent comes up, they will still choose to read that chapter because they're going to make sure to meet that expectation to themselves. Okay, number two, questioners. Questioners might approach a New Year's resolution with skepticism, and they'll probably only commit to a resolution if they believe it's justified. So they they might take the time to thoroughly research and understand the reasoning behind their resolution before they're willing to commit to it. An example for your child, they might be a questioner if they always want to know the why behind a certain rule, 
boundary or other expectation that you have in your home. Okay, obligers. Number three, obligers are likely to meet outer expectations, such as a New Year's resolution, if it's made with other people depending on them to meet that expectation. But they're going to struggle to meet their own inner expectation if nobody else is depending on it being met. So an obliger might do fabulous making it to a workout group if they know somebody in that workout group or somebody somehow is counting on them to be there. But they might not go just to meet their own expectations on it. So obligers benefit greatly from accountability buddies and similar external systems to help them accomplish what really they want to do. They just don't have the natural tendency to do it on their own. Okay, number four, rebels. Rebels might resist expectations, including New Year's resolutions. Or if they do make them, they'll probably prefer to set and achieve those goals in their own way, right? So someone with a rebel tendency would probably find it helpful to approach approach resolutions in an unconventional way. Okay, I know that that was a lot of ones. And... Um, I'm going to delve a little bit more into all of these examples, but I also want to tell you that listening to this audiobook, I had so many major aha light bulb moments. First of all, in understanding myself and my own tendencies and my own quirks and how I tick, and also in understanding other people in my life. So um, one example is the tendency that I probably have the least is the rebel tendency. I have sometimes like a little drop of rebel tendency, but my sister that I fought with so much growing up has like an extreme amount of rebel tendency in her. She is mostly rebel tendency. And so understanding that um, it wasn't just It was like we were both operating from different, not just perspectives, but also just tendencies in the way that we work. And so I can totally see now that we were coming at those goals and those expectations from different perspectives. And that's one piece to us getting along fabulously now is that we've learned that we just kind of tick differently. Okay. Now, as you come to understand your own tendencies... I do want to encourage you, like whether it's the four tendencies or anything that you learn about yourself, like I've said before, I, um, when I realized I had ADHD, I think having comments in your mind, like whether you say them out loud or they're just my thoughts in your head, if you have a comment that's something like, well, now I know what's wrong with me or that explains why I'm so messed up. I don't think it's going to benefit you very much. I don't think it's going to spur you towards helping and developing yourself nearly as much as if you would instead consciously choose more helpful thoughts such as, oh, this helps to explain the way I work a little bit more. Or you want to up-level it a little more. You might even say, oh, this helps to explain my own strengths a little bit more. And I've talked about strengths before, how I went to a strengths workshop lately that was slightly mind-blowing and realizing we are all going to have different strengths. And when we look at somebody else, like, 
oh, I wish I had that person's strengths, but I don't want to give up my own to get them, right? Like, we can't have every single tendency and ability in this world. So we don't need to compare our strengths or our weaknesses to somebody else's strengths and then get upset that we can't be exactly like everybody else's strengths, right? This wouldn't be possible. We're human. And it's great that we're human. So I think instead, choosing to focus on a healthy mindset of, oh, learning about myself is helping me to understand myself, which is great. And it's fine that my tendencies or (laughs) whatever um, different way that you're learning, a personality trait, um, love language, all of these things that we have in this idea of self-exploration, that we just use it to help understand ourselves and not drag ourselves down like, oh, so that explains why this is wrong with me. Oh, that explains why I have these issues. Like, let's change those thoughts to thoughts that will serve us more, such as, oh, well, this explains some of my strengths or, well, this is great that now I understand myself a little bit better. Okay, so (laughs) having said that, I have to tell you that when I first found out about the four tendencies, this was a few years ago, but um, I was so upset to realize that I wasn't an upholder. And I also realized that I had always wanted to be an upholder and that that wasn't my natural tendency. Like, I um, struggled. I'm getting a lot better at it, but like, it's been a struggle to keep my house clean just for me. Even if I want to keep it clean for just for me, it seemed to take me extra effort as opposed to my friends who now I realize probably have more of an upholder tendency who say, oh, I'm going to ha- keep a clean house. And then they do. Because the best way that I can keep a clean house is by having company over. <laughs> Especially if like I'm throwing a birthday party for my kids and they say, mom, I really want the house to be clean when my friends come over. Well, now I have my kids and their friends depending on me, so I'm going to make sure that that house gets clean. Whereas when it was just me depending on myself, it's like, yeah, I mean, I love myself, but it was just not quite as naturally easy for me to get up and make sure my house was clean. So I, um, I just struggled not being an upholder when I wished I was an upholder. And I can tell you what, my interior critic had a heyday with that one. The negativity, just all of those thoughts towards myself that were not helping and were not serving and were super negative, they kind of spiraled and they kind of circled and looped around. But I realize now that I can control those negative thoughts. And that I don't have to have that upholder tendency to get stuff done. I just need to utilize the strengths that I do have, right? And I can harness my own natural tendencies, my questioner and obliger tendencies, instead of for wishing wishing for ones that I don't have. So realizing that I'm I'm mostly like half questioner and half obliger. So realizing that, okay, so I want my house clean and I want it clean just for me. But since I have these questioner and obliger tendencies, okay, so I'm going to come up with reasons why having a house clean for me is helpful. And maybe I will find a way to create a mindset that has me realize that people outside of me will also benefit from it. For example, learning that um, children's mental health might be 
calmer when their environment is calm around them. That helped me out a lot, realizing that my children with their intense emotions um, benefit more from an orderly home. That helped me out a lot. Um, So anyways, this idea of harnessing our natural tendencies and um, working with them instead of against them, it's helped me out. And of course, always a caveat, your interior critic is going to try so much to just heap mom guilt onto you. You don't have to let it. You can say no thank you to those thoughts that aren't serving you. And harboring all that mom guilt is probably not going to serve you either. Right? And so just recognize that you're trying and that makes you a good mom. And we can continue to work and progress, but let's do it without all of that self-negativity towards ourselves and without um, giving those thoughts when they pop up. Let's not give them as much time on the stage in our mind. Let's just dismiss them and put in a more useful thought. Okay, enough of that. (laughs) Um, It's totally important to remember that no tendency is better or worse than another. They're just different ways that we that humans tend to respond to expectations and goals, right? Here's a quote from Gretchen Rubin in the book that I especially loved. She says, The happiest, healthiest, most productive people aren't those from a particular tendency, but rather they're the people who have figured out how to harness the strengths of their tendency, counteract the weaknesses, and build the lives that work for them. So how can we apply this to parenting? Okay, So I have to confess, I recently found myself playing with chat.openai and I was actually really impressed with a lot of its abilities. I asked it, how do the four tendencies apply to children? This is what I had to say. I want to go ahead and read it to you. If your child is an upholder, they may thrive with clear expectations and structure. You can help them by setting clear rules and boundaries, establishing routines, and providing a predictable and consistent environment. If your child is a questioner, they may benefit from understanding the reasoning behind rules and expectations. You can help them by explaining the reasons behind your expectations and rules and encouraging them to ask questions and seek out information. If your child is an obliger, they may need external accountability in order to meet expectations and achieve their goals. You can help them by setting clear expectations and providing them with a support system, such as an accountability partner. If your child is a rebel, they may resist rules and expectations and prefer to do things their own way. You can help them by allowing them to have some control over their own schedules and routines and finding creative outlets for their unique interests and passions. Okay, so personally, I believe that many children have a variety and a combination of these tendencies. And so I think they would benefit from a variety of approaches in us guiding them and in us helping them to meet expectations that we have or that they have for themselves. For example, I'm guessing that even children that have an upholder tendency wouldn't mind understanding 
the reasoning behind some of your decisions or rules. And I also believe that your obliger child would still love and benefit from having some control and an ability to um, find a creative way to accomplish whatever expectation that they or you might have. Okay, so let's sum this up. The four tendencies framework is a helpful tool for understanding how we respond to expectations and goals. And by understanding our own tendency, whether it's upholder, obliger, questioner, or rebel, or very likely, such as in my case, you're going to be a combination of these. But by understanding our own tendency or tendencies, we can identify the strategies and approaches that will work best for us when it comes to studying and achieving our own goals or expectations or ideas of what we would like to get done, right? So this can also be useful for parents because as we understand our own tendencies, it can help us to develop strategies for managing our own emotions and expectations, and we can apply this to our children. Okay. It's going to even be helpful for couples because you can come to understand your spouse's tendencies and then it can give you more ideas on how to support and encourage each other like um, in your goals or your ideas of what you'd like to have accomplished. So in general, I think it's a useful tool for understanding ourselves and understanding others, which I believe can always help us out in this amazing journey of life. So if you happen to know your tendency or tendencies, I'd love for you to share it with me. I'm always just curious to know how other people work. Find me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You're absolutely welcome to send me a message there, or you can contact me through the contact link on enlighteningmotherhood.com. Look forward to hearing from you, and I especially hope that this is useful for you coming to understand yourself and understand your child a little bit more and how you tick and how you can harness those natural tendencies and your strengths and use them to your benefit instead of figuring out things about yourself and trying to get after yourself for not being different, right? You're fine just the way you are and we're able to just meet ourselves where we're at and meet our children where they're at and move on from there instead of spending all of our time wishing that we had someone else's personality or abilities or tendencies, right? Okay, hope this is helpful, and I hope that you have a beautiful week. Feeling overwhelmed with your child's emotions and wish that they would just stop with the meltdowns? You're definitely not alone. My Meltdown Prevention 1 workshop was made for you. I will walk you through my four-step meltdown roadmap to explain exactly what you can do to help decrease the probability of your child melting down so awfully and so intensely. By the way, these are the four steps that totally help to save my sanity as a mother and many other moms that I have worked with. Register at enlighteningmotherhood.com forward slash meltdown prevention. And of course, the link is in the show notes. And I just don't want to stop there. Want to hear me tie that 
into today's episode? Okay, listen as I describe that workshop to each of the four tendencies. Notice the differences in the words and the angle at which I'm coming. By the way, I'm going to admit I totally had fun putting these together. Okay, here we go. Upholder. Join me to explore strategies and techniques for effectively handling your child's meltdowns so you can ditch that mom guilt, better manage your home, and plan your family's activities with greater ease. Questioner. Find yourself questioning the ways that you've currently seen meltdowns being handled, looking for methods that have been tested and proven. My Meltdown Prevention 101 workshop will provide you with a clear roadmap to guide you on your journey of helping your child with their meltdowns. Obliger. Your children are counting on you to learn these skills so you can help them better handle their big emotions. Plus, you'll learn useful tools that you can share with your spouse or anyone else that might help you co-parent your children. Come and learn this Meltdown Roadmap today so that you can be better and able to help out those people. Rebel. Have a child with uncontrollable meltdowns? Oh, it can feel so suffocating, doesn't it? Okay, not to mention the fact that those mainstream methods of parenting might not be working for your child. Come learn for yourself that (laughs) to free yourself from that constraint by learning unconventional tools to create a better relationship with your child and a more peaceful home environment on your terms. Okay, sorry for stumbling there. Apparently, (laughs) I don't have that rebel tendency, so I had to to think on that one and I had to read it out. So apologize for stumbling over the words there. But I do hope you have found this helpful and I would really love to hear from you on how this has helped you. I also will say it again. I hope you have a beautiful week.